Hello, my friends. You're listening to Repent and Believe podcast with Cynthia Smalls of Back to God Ministries. Welcome, my friends. Here we talk and teach the message of Jesus Christ, the only one who can claim the title of Savior of the world. We also discuss all things repentance and belief in Jesus Christ and how all these things tie into living a lifestyle where our deeds are manifested and fast and God so that we may be molded by the Father into vessels to be used for His glory. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's get started. Hey everyone, before we get started, I'd like to say thank you for tuning in. And if you enjoy my podcast, please share download, leave me a message or comment. Thanks guys. Hello everyone. This is Cynthia Smalls with Back to God Ministries. How is everyone doing today? I pray that all is well in your lives, that you are walking by faith and not by sight. You beloved are to never give up on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, beloved. Let me state this one of many biblical truths. Jesus, Christ Jesus, has a response to all of our foolishness and madness, and that is to repent or you will perish. Do not be deceived. It is possible to live a holy life in Christ today. No child of God can go on sinning. Study 1 John 2 and 1 John 3. The Lord Jesus Christ went to the cross and died for our sins. He defeated the power of sin in our lives, the light, the love, the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is shines brightly in our lives, marking us as his own, a special people that God has called to himself. Amen. And beloved, the only reason why I am even on this podcast is to make disciples for the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the commission he has given all who follow and obey him to go out into the world, preach the gospel, make disciples, cast out demons if need be, heal the sick, and if it be his will, raise the dead. Amen. And so, in order for us, his body, the church, the called out ones, the ecclesia I'm talking about, we are to Prepare ourselves to meet the bridegroom. 
And this is not the hour to think he's playing when he tells us to sin not. Right, Holy Spirit. Do we not think that Jesus doesn't understand we are still in the flesh? And yet he tells us to go and sin no more. Yes, he knows we are still in this flesh body. Listen, Christ is not oblivious to the fact that we are made from the dirt, the dust of the earth. And yet, yes, he fully expects us, those who follow him and listen to his voice, to obey him where his teachings are concerned. Yes, I had to take a pause because I am allowing Holy Spirit to frame my words because Cynthia in the flesh want to say, y'all better stop playing. Y'all better stop playing, claiming the name, and yet, You get up on social media, you walk in your own name, setting up for yourselves these platforms, and I'm going to say just what it is, pretending you are speaking on behalf of the body. When you say it is impossible to stop sinning and that Jesus understands that we are going to sin. And because of his grace, he makes allowances for it. The problem with false teaching is that it has an element of truth to it. That's why people believe it. But you must read between the lines because, in fact, what they are saying is that we can take his grace as a license to sin because, after all, Jesus understands. No, beloved, he don't understand when you willfully commit sin and then on the back end, you want to pull out 1 John 1, 9 out the back pocket as if it is your ace in the hole because you know you. You know when you put on certain clothing. You know when you hang around certain people. You know when you start indulging in those things that take your mind to another place. I'm talking about drugs. You know when you indulge in these things, you know you are going to sin, and yet you do it anyway. In the back of your minds, you say, well, I'm a child of God, and God knows that I still live in this flesh, and therefore I'm going to sin. And so you use 1 John 1, 9 as some safety blanket that just because that scripture is there it says if you if you confess your sins God 
is faithful and just to forgive us. That he will cleanse us, purge us from all unrighteousness. That is when we miss the mark, right? Because we have an advocate, the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven, that when we sin, we can come to the Father in sincere repentance with the mindset that we ain't doing this again. Because not only does it, it grieves the Father when we sin against him, especially after coming to the full knowledge of his son, but it grieves us. We don't want to, number one, pain the Father, nor do we want to feel that pain of disappointing him because we love him and we made a stupid decision to sin. That's when we missed the mark. But when you consistently and habitually miss marks, well, then that's not just you falling down in the dirt. You are, in fact, rolling around in the dirt. Your life is characterized by sin. It don't matter what you say out of your mouths because Jesus said, they honor me with their mouths, but that heart is far from me. And he's right. Absolutely correct. Because in your heart, you know, when you go to the club Friday and you ain't got no business being there in the first place, you know exactly what you are about to do. You're going to get drunk. You're going to be with your homeboys and your girls dancing and gyrating to all of that secular, worldly, satanic music. Not to mention you probably got weed, drugs, cigarettes, alcohol coursing through your veins. Not to mention that outfit alone says I'm available. And this is for both the men and the women. And then you want to jump up on your social media platforms claiming the name, having a roundtable discussion that do God really expect for us to live holy when we are in this flesh? Putting it out there with this underlining backhanded question and pondering that God is trying to set us up. He wants us to be holy, but then we are still living in this flesh body that is prone to sin. But then he expects for us to be holy. And then the panel leave it as an open question. You want to know why they leave it as an open question? Because they themselves are in sin trying to appear righteous by making this general, generalized statement because that's in their hearts as well. So, beloved, like I said, according to scripture, no child of God who has his seed in him, in them, his righteous character, 
the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God, not to mention the Lord Jesus Christ residing on the inside of that born-again person cannot go on sinning. Study 1 John 2. Study 1 John 3 to get the understanding. Listen, we must obey the Father and we must obey His Son by picking up our cross daily, denying ourselves, and go follow Him. For He gives us direction and understanding with this command in John 8, 11 to 12. Straightening, let's take it at verse 10. Just to, just to pull it into context of who Jesus was talking to. And let us not be mistaken. It is applicable to his disciples today in the 21st century as well. Straightening up, Jesus said to her, this is the woman who was who was caught in the very act of adultery. So I want to know, because I'm so nosy, I want to know who was it that saw her in the very act of adultery? Because what you doing even watching this? So who caught who? Was it, mm, was it his wife? That caught them in the act? Because I can't see a bunch of, not that I wouldn't put it past them, but I can't see those who dragged her to Jesus' feet and threw her down as a scornful woman. I can't see those Pharisees just lurking about the doorways and the windows, peeping in and watching this go down and then burst through the door so I'm only surmising that it must have been the man's wife and then she went tearing off to the temple and told the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and the elders and then a mob scene ensued and they dragged the poor woman I don't know she was if she was still wrapped in the sheets okay and so threw her down at the feet of Jesus. Not that they were seeking any real justice, but they were trying to once again trip Jesus up with the law regarding adultery. They wanted to see what he has to say about it. Okay, so here we are at verse 10, straightening up. Because when they dragged the poor woman to Jesus, he bent down and just started writing in the dirt. What he wrote, we probably will never find out until we get to heaven. But straightening up, Jesus said to her, woman, where are they? Because Jesus said, anyone who has not sinned, cast the first stone because they were ready well the mob scene were ready to stone this woman because the penalty under the law 
for adultery was stoning. So they all had rocks in their hands from the oldest to the youngest. And so when Jesus said, well, those who have no sin cast the first stone. The fact that they were all in sin, one by one, they fell away and dropped their stones. And so, again, here we are at verse 10, John 8. Straightening up, Jesus said to her, Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? Verse 11. She answered, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go, period. From now on, sin no more. Amen. And this is the Amplified. Jesus is the light of the world. Verse 12. Once more, Jesus addressed the crowd. He said, I am the light, capital L, of the world. He Listen up. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Amen. Jesus is saying, those who truly follow him, both in action and word, those of us who follow Jesus, we will not walk in the darkness. It's not possible because we have him. He is the light of life. He is eternal life. And this is what, thank you, Holy Spirit. This is what separates the wheat from the tares. Amen. And he also tells us, in verse 31 of John 8, If you abide in my word, continually obeying my teachings, teachings and living in accordance with them, then you, you are truly my disciples. That's the determining factor for the one who is truly Jesus' disciple. It is not the one claiming his name, and yet you willfully sin. Not that you missed the mark, that you sinned in some area. The godly sorrow that came behind that, taught you a lesson. You ain't doing this no more. You shun it. You ain't even thinking about it. The fear of the Lord is reigning supreme in your life. You just happen to miss it. You, you miss God on this, okay? Unlike tears, who want to keep claiming God's grace and his mercy and that no man can snatch us away from Jesus. These are they who habitually sin against God. 
and demand that he forgives them because of 1 John 1, 9. Listen, if we don't repent from the madness, none of us are going to make it. Verse 32. And you will know the truth regarding salvation and the truth will set you free from the penalty of sin. Amen. I feel compelled to read that scripture again because folks, this is the job of everyone, all of us who have been called to be either an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a pastor, or a teacher. This is, this is so that we can not only prepare ourselves to be Christ's disciples, but to prepare you to be his disciple, where you now sit at his feet, learning from him personally. Our job is to point you to Jesus, not to ourselves, not to our ministries, not to our various platforms. It is only by God's grace that anyone tunes in as it is. But we don't make a big open show advertising to the world we have a podcast we have a youtube channel we have whatever outlet you come up with in order to bring fame and notoriety to your name not the name of jesus you want people to click subscribe follow download because you want the rising of your name. We must take ourselves out of the e equation and point you to Jesus so that you too can become a disciple. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We give tips and tools straight from his word, what he expects from us, and what it is we should be doing while we are awaiting our blessed hope, the redemption and glorification of these fleshly bodies. So, our job is to point you to Jesus with teachings, with exhortations, with personal experiences, because let me assure you, okay, all that the Holy Spirit has me bring to you all, I experienced this firsthand when I was claiming the name, believing I am good to go, that once I'm in the family, Oh, I'm always in the family, and yet I'm in willful sin until God sent a situation that almost took my life. I mean, the Lord brought me to death, death's door to get my attention. And let me tell you, he got it. 
<laughs> okay, he got it. And so now that the plank is out of my eyes, and if I see it trying to grow back, oh, it's getting plucked out immediately because I know what it is. And so when we have these lessons, we pull it together and package it in such a way that you can understand it and receive it with clarity. At the same time, Holy Spirit is watching over this whole process, guiding us, leading us, giving us the words to say. So when you hear me on the podcast, sometimes taking a pause, I'm listening because as I'm listening, I'm speaking. And sometimes my words get ahead of thoughts and sometimes I get them, it, it could be jumbled, I guess, but that's because Holy Spirit is downloading it so quickly, I got to catch it and I won't be able to hear, thank you, Lord, as clearly as I do if I'm in sin. Because when I was in sin, claiming the name, I didn't hear nothing from Holy Spirit. I didn't hear nothing from Jesus. You want to know why? Because I was serving a false Christ. That Christ told me that I'm still good to go and that he understands that I'm in sin because this situation that I'm living in is horrendous and it's not my fault that I must act out in the flesh because this person is driving me crazy. No, 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 no. Jesus said to pray for our enemies and bless them. He did not say fight with them, argue with them, trying to prove your case. No, 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 no. So let me reread it. Verse 31 of John 8. Jesus said, if you abide in my word continually, obeying my teachings and living. See? This is, this is, this is the key to it all. How are you living? Are you living according to Jesus' teachings? And you won't know what his teachings are unless you for yourself get into the Gospels and read and study and meditate and ponder, eat his teachings so that if you are so compelled to go into a brick and mortar building and if the bishop and his first lady the prophetess starts the foolishness with the twisting and mangling of Jesus teachings you can like our sister over there on motivating you to win says that's when you must grab your hat, grab your coat, and run. That's a wolf. Amen. If they if they are pointing you to themselves, that's a wolf. If they are not pointing you to the cross, that's a wolf. 
Yes, he's apostate, if not an outright counterfeiter, imposter. Amen. So Jesus said, if you abide in my word, continually obeying my teachings and living in accordance with them, then and only then, my friend, because if you are not doing this, if you are not obeying his teachings and if you are not living in accordance with them, then you are not truly his disciples because he said when you abide in him in this way then you are truly his disciples verse 32 and you will know the truth okay when we do what sit up under a wolf in sheep's clothing no because they ain't teaching you the truth Jesus said, when we abide in him, continually obeying his teachings and living in them, according with them, you are his disciples and you will know the truth regarding salvation because the hot mess about salvation that that is coming out of these apostate false churches are not the truth. He says in him, you will know the truth regarding salvation. And guess what? The truth, that truth about salvation will set you free from what? The penalty that comes with willful sin, which is what? Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death eternal separation from God, the lake of fire. He's talking about the second death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. And you are only going to find it in Christ Jesus alone. Amen. And John 10, 27, 30, because this right here, is where they love to proof text to say that, oh, we have eternal security. No one can pluck us out of Jesus' hand. And these are they who are in willful sin on a daily, mm -hmm, daily, meaning that although they are still living with their quote-unquote fiancé, it's okay because they are going to get married. Okay, we'll see. And yet, it's been five years. Uh-huh. These are they who claim Jesus is their Lord and Savior, but they don't obey his teachings. You want to know why? But for the fact, they don't even know what his teachings are. They only know what has been falsely and twisted, spoon-fed to them about his teachings. Because for the most part, every modern-day churchgoer believes Jesus' teachings was all about prosperity, 
healing from sick, sickness and diseases and and casting out demons where the pastor and the prophet love to call deliver, deliverances uh seminars and workshops and whatever meetings and people go to watch and wonder someone having a demon cast out of them and they think this is what all Jesus taught. No. He had one core message. The kingdom of God is at hand. And he was preparing us for his second coming because he was going to the cross. That's why he only preached, repent and believe. And when we do that, that's all wrapped up in love with his commandment to do what? To love God with our whole hearts, souls, minds, and strength, and to love our neighbor, neighbor, our brethren, as we love ourselves. All of that is wrapped up in repentance and stop sinning. Otherwise, you're going to perish. You're going to perish. So, John 10 the once saved, always saved crowd love to come here thinking Jesus is talking about them. Uh-uh. No, I was deceived too. Being in willful sin and thinking that this promise is for me. No. Jesus is going to tell us who this promise promise is for. The sheep that are mine. No, no, no. The sheep that are my own hear my voice and listen to me. I know them and they follow me and I give them, them who, who, the one who listen and follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. Habitually consistently not when you hear a feel-good message then you want to be on board with Jesus nah he sees right through that just like we see right through it especially if we have personally gone through it okay listen at this point game recognize game listen I know all about it Okay, not that because I'm such a wonder. No, I lived this crazy life claiming the name and thinking that I have eternal security and didn't even know because I was on marriage number three. Okay, I didn't know I was in adultery. You want to know why I didn't know that? With about... I want to say at least two to three Bibles in my house. And yet I didn't know the teachings that Jesus taught on divorce, remarriage equals adultery with the Bible on my bed. You want to know why? I, I was too busy dealing with the cares of my life to be consecrated to God isolating myself, sitting at his feet and learning.
but I'm too busy fighting with this person who was driving me crazy to sit long enough to be sanctified. I knew the process. I knew justification. Now I'm in sanctification. But did I really know what it was? No, because I had not turned from sin. So I'm not coming from some un, unknowing place about this and just pointing fingers and telling you, you must live right. You must live holy. Okay. I can only stand flat foot in confident that I understand what Jesus is telling us. So the sheep that are my own hear my voice and listen to me. I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they will never ever by any means perish and no one will ever snatch them. Them who? The ones who follow and listens and obeys Jesus completely. Yes, even though we are in the flesh body, yes, we are to obey. And so he says in verse 29, my father who has given them to me is greater and mightier than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the father are one in essence and nature. Amen. Beloved, we got this thing twisted. Mm-hmm. We still seem to think holiness is optional. We think we have a choice whether or not we are going to be holy today or we are not going to be holy today. Well, we better wake up. Not only is holiness commanded of us, but without it, no man, no woman, no woman will see the Lord. Let me help us out. We are not supposed to be sinning. The Lord Jesus would never tell us to do something if it weren't possible to do it in his name, by his strength. He would never tell us to do something if it wasn't in our born again, driven, devoted loyalty to him to get it done. You just heard the scriptures, right? So what part of that are we not understanding? The reason why we are not understanding it is because we choose not to understand it. So before we go any further, let us pray. Father, in the name of Christ Jesus, we lift up holy, clean hands today to you. We come in reverence and honor and praise. Let your will be done today, Father, as it is in heaven. We see over here in 1 Peter 3, 8 to 18, because Father, now that we got the plank out of our eyes 
and we no longer walk in darkness. Your word is so clear. It comes with full understanding by your Holy Spirit. Because once the scales have been dropped from our eyes, it is so amazing how with crystal clarity, we get understanding of what you want and expect from your children. You expect for us to be holy and you understand we still live in these bodies and yet we have been commanded to be holy. And so we become holy by being sanctified and consecrated unto you, separated from this world, separated and isolated from all everything, anyone, any place, all of it, so that we can hear and be trained in righteousness. And we can't do that if we are still part of this world and attached to the people in it who hates Jesus. 1 Peter 3, 8 to 18. Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Amen. Verse 10, whoever would love life, whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened, but in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Amen. Father, that's the bedrock. In our hearts, we set apart Christ as Lord. Amen. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Amen. It is better if it is God's will to suffer 
for doing good than for doing evil. Verse 18, for Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous. Why? To bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit. Amen. Bless your holy name, Father. We give you reverence. We stand in awe of all your good works. Hallowed be thy holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Listen, beloved, you got to be serious about your own salvation. The Lord has told us we must work it out with fear and trembling. You'll have, listen, you are going to have to want it more than you want to please your flesh. Some of us over here in the body has gotten too comfortable and downright lazy. Yes, I said lazy. Where it comes to fighting the good fight of our faith. We must put we must put all the work on Jesus. And when we are disobedient, because this is what some do. They put all the work of sanctification on Jesus as if we are not supposed to be willing participants. No, they put all the work on Jesus. And when they are disobedient, we want Jesus to fix the mess and the madness. And when he does, and when he does, we are right back at it again, just taking his grace and mercy for granted. Heaven forbid. Listen, our focus shouldn't be on the flesh. No way. No way. Has not Romans 6.11 told us to consider ourselves dead to sin and our relationship to it broken? Beloved, your homework today is to dust off your Bibles. Crack open the phone app and study Romans chapter 6. It's going to bless you because over there it tells us how sin is no longer our master. Why? Because Jesus who was sinless and perfect defeated sin on our behalf. It don't have that dominating control and reign over us anymore. And unless you have that understanding and knowledge, you will always be a slave, a captive to sin, claiming the name. You're not going to make it. I almost didn't make it. And that is why I come hard on the podcast to wake you up. I'm speaking to the body of Christ today. We can't keep playing with this, friend. We cannot. So, Romans 6.11. Consider yourselves dead to sin and your relationship to it broken. You are alive to God in unbroken fellowship with him in Christ Jesus. Amen. 
I can't say it enough today. We must be studying. Instead of trying to figure out ways to get around holy and righteous living. Listen, as long as long as you are attached to this sinful world through TV, music, books, your unrighteous friends and family who the Bible calls bad company, as long as you remain in these apostate churches where the man of God is lifted up rather than Christ Jesus, then you will always give into the flesh. You want to know why? Because all of that bad company agrees with you that it's impossible to stop sinning. Jesus couldn't have possibly meant that we should sin no more when, in fact, we do sin. Well, that's because you are still a sinner. Listen, this is not self-righteousness speaking. This is knowing Jesus personally having a personal relationship with him when he tells you personally and through his word to remain faithful to him, endure until the end. And he promises then and only then you will have eternal life. And when you have this ongoing communion with him, you know his voice. And you, and you come to a complete understanding that sin does not rule you anymore. And you also know how to defeat our enemy, Satan, when we submit ourselves to God in repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. When we obey, because when we are obeying and submitting ourselves to God, then we are not sinning. And when temptation comes, because it's going to come. Okay, listen, we are not ignorant. Although we teach and preach and live righteously with holiness, we, we know what it is. We know we live in this, in this body. And at any moment of the day, we can be tempted. Do we just give into it just because some tempting thought flies into our heads? Because some of you act like every thought just takes us captive without us having a say. No, we pull down strongholds, whether they be false doctrine, because that's the context of that whole scripture, or... If any thought that is in direct opposition to Jesus' holy and wholesome teachings, we cast it down. We bring it to the obedience of Christ. Amen. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And how do you bring those thoughts to the obedience of Christ? Well, you put those thoughts on the facts. The facts of the matter is that no unrighteous, wicked person will inherit the kingdom of God. You put your sin on the facts. Galatians chapter 5 tells us what 
are the works of the flesh. If we are doing any of those things, pull it down, crucify it, kill it, bring it to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and make that flesh obey. No unrighteous. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10. Paul says, do you not know? Put that sin on these facts. Paul said, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. No fornicator, no idolator, no adulterer, no effeminate. No homosexual, the thief, the covetous, greedy person. No drunkard, no reviler, no swindler will inherit the kingdom of God. Amen. But we were once these things. We practice all of that on a daily basis. But now we have been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. We have been sanctified. Holy Spirit dwells us. And by God's grace, we turn from sin. And we turn to him. So that going forward, he can teach us and train us how to be holy. Because that's the command. So... If you are not allowing yourselves to be submitted to God, then you are always going to cry out like a big old baby. Oh, it's so impossible to stop sinning. Jesus could not have really meant for us to walk without sin as he did. That's impossible. Well, if you come out from amongst the world long enough, and isolate yourselves and enmesh yourself in the teachings of Jesus. And because we are following his command to love God with everything within us, you will find it easy more and more day by day to sin not. Not because of any um, act of will on our parts because one thing is true we are living in this body and the flesh man is a contender although he has been crucified but when we make provision for the flesh we are giving him an opportunity to resurrect right holy spirit and some of you are living with a resurrected flesh man claiming the name no wonder you are confused Paul when he was crying out about being a wretched man it wasn't that he was in Christ crying about oh how wretched he is that in Christ he want to do good but he don't in Christ that he don't want to do he seems to do all the more and then people love to abuse what Paul was saying but if you read the context because y'all never do because I didn't not sitting up under the false church we didn't Paul was saying that as a man under the law 
who fulfilled the law with trying, well, I should say, trying to fulfill it with everything within them, trying to do every jot and tittle of it and still fell short of the glorious standard of God. He wanted to do good as a Jewish man under the law, but because of the flesh, he missed the mark. And so, woe is me. He was saying that as a man under, under the law, the 613 laws of Moses. He wasn't crying out, oh, wretched man that I am, when he was in Christ Jesus. Read. And this is the problem. The unlearned take these isolated, cherry-picked scriptures to justify bad behavior. And they get this teaching to do that from false teachers. They teach us this, that, you know what? Even Paul cried out. And the fact that we know Paul wrote what is it? Two thirds of the, of the new Testament. And so, because we see righteous Paul crying out about how wretched he is because he still finds himself sinning. And that gives us a green light that, well, you know, Paul, you know, Paul, wretched man that I am syndrome. No, beloved. Uh-uh. Nope, that's not going to work either. You got to read the whole context. He was talking about being up under the law and how you can't keep the law. No one, no one was able to keep the whole law but Jesus Christ. And that's why Paul was crying out, oh, wretched man that I am. Because guess what? Paul loved the law. Obviously, he was, he was zealous about the law being a Pharisee, as he put it, a Pharisee of Pharisees. Oh, he knew the law inside and out. And he believed, just like everyone who lived under the law, that the law brings about salvation. Not until he met Christ. <laughs> and then he tells us the law justifies no one. It is only when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ through repentance, we can receive the gracious gift of salvation that we could not have earned on our own. No way, no how, no day of the week. But now that we are in Christ, we have been commanded to sin not. Amen. And therefore, Jesus told us, okay, because at the end of the day, beloved, we can kick and scream. We can argue and debate with one another about is it possible is it not possible the body, the flesh, all wretched man, once saved, always saved? And we can go around the maypole until we are blue in the face. Jesus told us to consider the cost before we come and follow him. Because 
following Jesus means picking up your cross. That's why he said, consider the cost. Pick up your cross, denying yourself, and coming out from this world. That's what Jesus means to follow him. Not to mention, he warns us about wolves in sheep's clothing, didn't he? Mm -hmm. Whom you seem to love because they give you what you want. Tickling ear sermons that agree with your summation. That it is impossible to stop sinning. And that Jesus doesn't fully expect you to be perfect while in this flesh body. Folks, where's my bell? We gotta wake up. We know that when he returns or we go by the way of the grave, we will be completely redeemed. But in the meantime, in between time, we strive to enter through the narrow door, just like Jesus told us over there in Matthew chapter 7. As a matter of fact, read that whole chapter. Because I'm telling you, in the Gospels, we find out what those teachings were and we are to adhere to them. Listen, Jesus was so concerned about us falling away that he says that if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. That if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It would be better to live this life lame, okay? with all your body parts cut off, if that be the case, then to enter hell with all of your members. That means stop at every corner, anything that will cause you to sin. If that means you got to cut people off, cut them off. If that mean, means you got to leave a particular job because it is evil and it goes against God, leave it. If that means saying bye-bye to mommy and daddy for a time, do what you got to do. Amen. Do what you got to do. Work out your salvation. Because mommy and daddy and unk and auntie and cousin and kids got to stand before Jesus too on judgment day. Amen. And that means our focus. Okay. Is on eternity and not how we are going to meet up with our friends on Friday night at the club. Deceiving ourselves that we are not going to be drinking and smoking tonight. Only to end up doing just that. And then you want to come to church talking about Lord have mercy. He is a merciful and just God. And he will forgive when we sincerely repent, confess that sin, and he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But we do not. We do not take his mercy and grace as a license to sin, believing we have a free get out of hell card. We don't. Nope. I keep telling you. On the podcast. 
we cannot have our cake and eat it too. Either you are going to live righteously in Christ, allowing Holy Spirit to lead and guide you, or you are going to still be a slave to sin and your father, the devil, will always have a foothold in your life. John tells us in 1 John 3 how we can identify who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Children of God walks in righteousness. They do what is right. They seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness because the kingdom of God is all about righteous living. In keeping the kingdom of God as a priority, we learn how to be righteous. Because when the focus is on the kingdom, thank you, Holy Spirit, then the focus is on living right in the sight of God in private as well as in public daily. Daily, not when you are trying to make an impression. Not when you up on your social media platforms so that people can think you are just so deep and spiritual. But behind closed doors, your life is a mess. You don't know the real Jesus Christ. You don't know God the Father. You are deceived to think you are a child of God when you are in fact not. Yes. I hate to keep breaking it to you, precious. Scripture is unanimous. If you are living habitually in sin, the love of the Father is not in you. I know, I know you want it to be. Then stop sinning. Completely submit yourselves to God. Resist temptation. You, you have been given the ability to resist it. If in fact, the Holy Spirit is in you. Because that's just it. If God's Spirit is not in you. And you still claim his name. You are not going to live righteously. You cannot without help. And that help of righteousness is only found in his Holy Spirit. No man can teach it to you so that you can receive it because of man's words. Holy Spirit rides our vocal cords. So although I'm speaking these words to you, it is the Spirit. It is the Spirit's anointing on these words that I pray prick your hearts just like on the day of Pentecost when Peter who was filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke words that had the anointing on them and so when he preached the gospel to those who saw the brethren speaking in different languages their hearts were pricked. And the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 2 that 3,000 souls got saved that day. And just like John the Baptist 
who prepared the way for the Messiah. When he told the people to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The Holy Spirit was on John the Baptist. So when he spoke those words, the anointing, thank you, Holy Spirit, was also on those words that pricked people's heart. And the Bible says that many became disciples of John. And when Jesus, the promised Messiah, touched down on the earth, his words, because once he got baptized too, the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. And what was the first, thank you, Holy Spirit, the first message of his earthly ministry was what? Repent and believe the gospel. Why? For the kingdom of God is here. It's at hand. I'm in your midst. God is tabernacling on the earth in the body of a man. The God-man is in the midst of the people. Amen. And so, if you are not filled with God's Holy Spirit, you can't by your willpower stop sinning. It's not possible. Right, Holy Spirit. The fact that God knows, Jesus knows we are still in this world, in these flesh bodies. That's why he said, when I go to the cross, it is good that I go and then go back to heaven. Why? Because he's sending us help. He's sending us another comforter, another counselor, the advocate, the spirit of truth the strengthener to help us because he knows people is my bell jesus knows we are in this flesh body still living in this world with a devil running around here he knows we will be tempted but he sent us help that's why he says i will not leave you as orphans no he knows what it is. Listen, although he was God and is God when he walked this earth in the body of a man, he too was tempted, but sin not. And we can't say, oh, well, because he's God. Well, he was operating as a man, as a flesh and blood bleeding man who died, died. God is eternal. That's why he came in the body of a man, in the person of Jesus Christ. That's why when Christ walked the earth, he was subordinate, subordinate to the Father. That's why he said that the Father is greater than him. Why? Because he was on a mission. Although he was God, he, according to Philippians 2, 7, he set aside his divine nature. Not that he put it off, but he set it aside because he was operating as the son of man. And so, just like us, okay, 
he too had to submit himself to the Father in obedience. He was in the flesh. He was tempted. But he sinned not. And so he was preparing us as the example how we can live in this body and sin not. Even though we are in this world, the devil is here. Evil, wicked people are here. Temptations left and right are abound. Without the Holy Spirit, you will give into it. Jesus, our example, taught us how to live in the flesh and be tempted and sin not. And so he said, I will not leave you as orphans. So we have no excuse. And this is what I'm trying to tell you all. We ain't got no excuse about where we still live in this body. You know what? We will have a claim, a rightful claim to that. If Jesus did not send us Holy Spirit to train us and comfort us. And to show us the right path to take that leads to eternal life. Then we will have a claim on God that you set us up. How can you possibly expect us to live holy and we ain't got no help to do so? We do have hope. (laughs) Study John chapter 14. We have help. Amen. So... Those of us who are filled with his Holy Spirit, we do what's right because we long to please the Father. We live a life of gratitude and appreciation of what Christ Jesus has done for us on our behalf, which is what? Going to the cross, willingly laying down his life as an unblemished, sacrificial lamb to be slain. Dying for our sins, receiving the full wrath of God on our behalf, defeating sin. This is what he did for us, defeating death. This is what Christ Jesus did for us. And how do we repay him? By living in willful sin? Then you are not a child of God. Listen, I would not be a child of God if I continue to live a life that is characterized by sin. So how do we repay him? We give him glory by living holy and righteous lives. Being sanctified and set apart from this world unto God by Holy Spirit. That's how we repay him, if you will. If we could ever repay, if if that's even possible, but we can put our best foot forward by obeying and listening and doing what he tells us to do. Because he says when we do that, then we prove we are truly his disciples. Amen. Because people want, and I'm going to say this in closing, people want to have their backs rubbed in agreement that it is impossible to stop sinning. And they will try to get us on board with the madness as if, like I said, 
holiness is optional. That is why on the day of judgment, Christ Jesus will tell many, I don't know you, depart from me. If you are willfully sinning, then you are not in the family of God. And that is why Christ Jesus does not know you. He has not called you as his own solely because you are not. I know you don't want to hear this and you are probably thinking I'm a false teacher. You can say what you want, okay? Because I make no brag or no boast about anything that I do. But I do make a brag and boast about the one who I know, whom I know told me personally and through his word who his children are. John 10. Mm -hmm. Start at verse 27 and have a good lunch. Mm -hmm. So if you are not obeying him, the love of the father does not reside in you. And therefore Jesus will say to you, what household are you from? Because I don't know you. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. Study the gospels, folks. It's all in there. This is serious business. And many are banking on the fact that they have made a confession with their mouths that Christ is their savior. But that heart has not committed devotion and allegiance to him as Lord. And that is why people, because my hand is raised, don't fully obey Jesus because I was playing games too. Believing I was born again back in 2002, only to be brought out of my madness by the Lord in 2019. And this is why people don't fully obey Jesus, because mainly they have not met the real Jesus Christ. Because when you meet the real Jesus Christ, you understand that he had that one core message when he walked this earth in the body of a man. Repent and believe for the kingdom of God is at hand because it's coming again. And so that same herald is being proclaimed today. Amen. So in closing... I'm going to leave us with some Bible verses about living holy. Okay. Romans 12, 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Amen. 1 Peter 2.9 But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Amen. Romans 12, 
verse 1 because we just read verse 2, right? Verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, I beseech you, brethren, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Amen. This is the least and the most we can do for what God has done for us. We are to sacrifice this body just like Christ sacrificed his for us. So for him, likewise, our spiritual act of worship to God is not lip service. Not hoping and praying that we can get it right, but we are to offer up these bodies as a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to God. And it is doable to do that. Psalms 51, 9 through 10. This should be our meditation and prayer as it was for King David when he, when he cried out to God after the sin him and Bathsheba committed. Verse 9, hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Amen. What else I want to give you? Okay. I'm going to leave us. I'm going to leave us with 2 Peter 3, 11 to 14. Because this is the mindset. When we keep our eyes on eternity. Because Peter is directing our eyes toward heaven. That's the focus. Jesus is the focus. Don't turn away. Don't take another path. Keep the laser focus on Jesus, just like an eagle from hundreds of feet up in the air on the cliff side of a mountain can spot, can spot a prey miles away with binocular vision. Well, that's the same vision we must have toward eternity. Second Peter is giving us the key, chapter 3, verses 11 to 14. And then I'm going to let you go. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, because he was just telling us previously that the world is going to be burnt up in fervent heat. Okay? It's all passing away, folks. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people are you? No, what kind of people ought you to be? He's about to tell us. You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destructions of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in and will melt in heat 
But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. Amen. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort. And this is all about working out your own soul salvation, beloved. Peter is saying, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Amen. Father, excuse me, Father, in the name of Christ Jesus, how clearer and plainer. Can your word be? This is how we ought to be living. This is the kind of people we should be. One who presents their bodies as living sacrifices. A people who are looking forward to the day of God. And we eagerly await your coming. We are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness, the kingdom of God. So we shall make every effort to be found spotless and blameless and at peace in right standing with you. So that's going to take some work. We are not supposed to be sitting back waiting for glory while we are still in sin, believing that we have automatic entrance into the kingdom. Israel couldn't get by with the fact that they were Abraham's children, that because because of Abraham, they have automatic entrance into the kingdom and neither do us Gentiles have automatic interest into the kingdom? We must work out our salvation, Father, with great fear and great trembling because we know on the day Jesus returns in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and obey, obey not the gospel. Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power? So, this is not the hour to be deceived, to take your grace as a license to sin. We must be obedient. It is for our good. If we want to see good days... And we all do, especially in these crazy times. Although this world, this Babylonian, Luciferian, satanic world is waiting for their Antichrist. Well, we know that our Lord, our King of glory will defeat this whole world. He will crush it as a boulder no longer will unrighteousness and wickedness reign supreme so if we had any sense we better get on board with the gospel
That's it. Layman terms. I don't, I, I'm not a Bible scholar. I don't have lofty words and vernacular. I'm going to give it to you how it was given to me. If we don't stop sinning, we ain't going to make it. And that's the gospel. Thank you, Father, for wisdom. Bless your holy name. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, beloved. Well, there we have it. Another one in the can. Repent and believe. Stop sinning and turn back to God. Bad company will corrupt your good morals. Come to your senses as you ought to and stop sinning. Amen. Amen. And Lord willing, until next time, I shall be speaking to you all soon. Bye for now. guys for tuning in. I truly appreciate all your support. Until next time, I'll be talking to y'all soon. Bye.